Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com. And today I want to do a teaching called Pimps and Hoes. <laughs> Pimps and Hose. Now, I know being a minister, some people may say to me, well, how could you, you know, choose a title that's so, you know, how can I put this, you know, choose a title that they would consider uh, vulgar. But, you know, the Lord has given me revelation and he's given me understanding and he's showing me that not only do pimps and hoes run the streets, but they are also all throughout the world in every walk of life, in every atmosphere that you can think of, in every place that we think is prominent and respectable in this life, there are pimps and there are hoes. And I'm not speaking of individuals just themselves. I'm speaking of people that live this life, that do the things that they do in their ignorance, and they're just not even made aware of those things that are, okay? so. I'm going to prove tonight that everything, and I mean everything that does not choose Jesus Christ or everyone, you're either going to be a pimp or you're a whore. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't have a father, which is God the Father, and Jesus Christ, which is our Lord, you are a whore to a greater pimp that is the devil, okay? The Bible makes clear that the devil runs this world and everything in this world is his. And one thing about the devil that I realized through my experience in dealing with him before getting saved and after learning some things that, you know, he doesn't have your best interest at heart. He doesn't give you all the, what you would consider success in this world for absolutely nothing. You best believe if you're going to be successful in this world, you've got to be whored out. And then when you've done enough whoring for the devil, then he decides to allow you to be a little, you know, junior pimp, you know, on the side that you can pimp somebody else in and have other whores around them. Now, I know some people may wonder, what does this have to do with the gospel? But we're going to see that this is also true, because as the church has adopted the ways of the world, you find in the church that you'll have a lot of people that are you know, uh, false prophets. You've got these prosperity preachers. You got these people in the world or in the world's atmosphere. I mean, the church atmosphere. And what they're doing is selling people dreams and fantasies, things that are not even in the Bible, things that are worldly, things that you can't take with you when you leave here. But they put special emphasis on the here and now, on the carnal world, on the things that have nothing to do with God. So you see, when you deal with stuff like that, you're dealing with pimps and whores. And I don't have a better way to say it tonight. You know, I'm relying on the Lord and the Holy Spirit 
to speak these words that people may have an understanding. But I'm not saying these things to hurt people or to make people feel bad about themselves. I'm trying to let people know that unless they have Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior, who cares for you and intends to make you whole, and having God the Father as a father by adoption, which is what he wants for everyone in this world, then you're a whore and you're being whored out. And hopefully you'll be able to see it on levels that you know you didn't see it before. But the whole plan, the whole plan and all that I'm preaching tonight is that people will be set free, that they'll give their lives to Christ because outside of Jesus Christ, there is no freedom. Everything is whoredom. And I mean, everything that you can think about. So, you know, let's get to the definition of what a pimp is and let's get to the definition of a whore so that people may understand me clearly. Because, you know, sometimes when people use the word pimp or whore, people get offended. But let's get the proper definition of what one is. Here's the first one for pimp, the first definition. It says a criminal who is associated with, usually exerts control over, and lives uh, off the earnings of one or more prostitutes. You know, that's a pimp. I'll read that again. A criminal who is associated with, usually exerts control over, and lives off the earnings of one or more prostitutes. That's how, that's how the world system runs. All the money runs upstream. Everything goes from being on the level of us working for a living, someone taking advantage of you or doing what they need to do, and all money flows upstream. Hey, Sister Tara. So, you know, that's the point that we got to look at. Here's the other definition of pimp. It says to make use of often dishonorably uh, for one's own gain or benefit. This is another thing for uh, what the word pimp means. It means person into marketing prostitutes. Guys, this is the world as you know it, okay? I wish I could find a better definition to make sense of this all, but I want people to have a clear understanding that you know, if you're not up under Jesus Christ, set free from the world to do the things that Jesus has said, then you are a prostitute, okay? And, and I'm not saying that God told us, he did tell us to be of this world, live in this world, but don't be of it. That means to walk through this world with your mind set free because you've got the mind and the will of Christ to do what the Lord says. So of course we'll work for a living, we'll do certain things that we need to here, but Jesus Christ is in control. That means he can lead you into any institute or any atmosphere to have his will done through. But if we don't have the will of Christ in our lives leading us to do the things that the Lord wants, then we are being pimped and we are being whored. The same thing is in the religious system. The same thing how some people can go to church, get what they need from Jesus Christ, be made whole and do the works of Christ. And then you've got others who will listen to these lying preachers full of vanity, full of deception and smooth talk that are only meant to get your money and make you a religious prostitute. But like I said, as I'm gonna prove tonight, prostitutes are all through the world. And when you get down to it, if you are not saved and born again in Jesus Christ, you are a pimp or you are a whore. But if you are up under you know, the world system, you're a whore because Satan runs this world, all right? And we're gonna see how we've been taken advantage of. Let's look at the definition of whore. 
This is Webster's Dictionary. It says a woman who engages in sexual acts for money, a prostitute, also informal, offensive, a promiscuous or immoral woman. This even means a male who engages in sexual acts for money, a venal or unscrupulous person. Okay, unscrupulous is like someone that would do anything for money. So anyway, he says, uh, and this is the another, uh, other definition for whore. It says to have unlawful sexual intercourse as or with a prostitute, a pursue, I mean, to pursue a faithless, unworthy or idolatrous desire. Now that's what we're gonna be focusing on tonight too, because you've got to know, even as Christians, even before you look at Christians, you and I are made in the image and likeness of God. If we happen to partake in things that are associated with the world and we do worldly things and we're a part of, and we've got the world's mindset and a desire for it, then really we're cheating on God, okay? Because God made us in his image and his likeness and the world turns us around and allows us to be a part of its way. And, and you see, we become a part of the world's image and the world's likeness. So in many ways, we are having unlawful sexual intercourse with the world, even if it's spiritual. You know that there is physical adultery and there is spiritual adultery, just like there is you know, phys uh, physical um, pr uh, fornication and spiritual fornication. So this, these are things that we're gonna be looking at tonight. And we're gonna look on so many levels. We're gonna look in, in accordance with the government, with Hollywood politics, sports figures, you know, even uh, criminal gangs. I remember having this conversation with one of my students, you know, that said to me, you know, how he thought drug dealers are and how they are supposed to be. Hey sister, you know, beautiful beloved, but you know, a lot of people believe that, you know, well, I'm a thug, I'm a rapper, I'm a gangster, you know, I'm a blood or a crip, I'm a gangbanger. So I'll stand on the corner and I'll make my money. And they really think that they're hustling. And they might even have prostitutes or, you know, that type of, um, you know, sex trafficking underneath them while they do what they do. But little do these pimps realize, and what I tried to tell some of these students is that, you know, the guy who's on the corner making the money, he's a prostitute too. He's a whore too, because of the fact that he is, on the corner making someone else's money that is not entirely his that he's got to hand over to someone else guys this is the way that the world works this is the way that it operates and you and i will never be set free from this until we have adopted the ways of jesus christ until he has been made whole in us that we can walk in accordance to his will so when jesus says things like you know um be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world, the flesh, and the devil. When you look at examples such as, um, you know, Jesus saying the ruler of this world comes and he has nothing in me, what Jesus Christ is speaking of is, you know, that the devil could not pimp him out. Jesus had nothing that, the, I mean, the devil had nothing that Jesus wanted. Jesus went in accordance with the will of the Father. Okay, so let's get started. I wanna pray real quick. We're gonna get right into this lesson. We got a couple of videos to cover tonight. 
Even if you guys can't see them, they will be in the description box so that you guys can check them out later. Okay, but this whole world, you're either pimps or hoes. And that's the way that this world works unless you find Christ and get right with him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you. We thank you for another day not promised to us. And we ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brothers and sisters that we have yet another day to be partakers of your word, to be edified by your spirit, that we may grow in you, Lord, and choose life and not death. And I pray in Jesus' name that you open the eyes, the ears, the minds, and the hearts that people may have understanding, that you are a good God, that you came to set the captives free, that you came to heal them that are bruised. You came to lead and give sight to the blind and open those prison houses, Lord, that people may be set free and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So we just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and mercy that you have given us time that we may know you and grow in you daily. And I pray, Lord, tonight that no man's heart be heard tonight, that no flesh be glorified, but only by the Spirit of God and through the inspiration of your Spirit, that your words will be heard, that people may choose you, that they may understand, Lord, that this world does not have our best interest at heart, but only you do. And I pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. I pray in Jesus' name that you bind the devil, that you keep him at bay, that your people may have a chance at learning of your ways, that they may choose salvation and get to know the only true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And Lord, we just pray and we ask that all these things be done, that you send the Holy Ghost, Lord, send the comforter, send the spirit of teaching, that we may hear your words, Lord, and be comforted in them, that even though we may be offended, Lord, that we may see the truth for what things are, and we'll choose to be a bride and not a prostitute. So all these things we pray for, and we ask for your glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty, holy, and precious name we pray, amen. All right, so let's get right into this lesson. And you know, like I tried to tell a lot of people, even if you look up Hollywood, they have the director's couch. When you look up, uh, you know, even these rappers where people think these rappers are these hard, tough dudes that get record deals and they're successful in life. But what we don't know is how many of those people, and a lot of these guys have come forward, how many of them have to get bent over someone's desk and sodomized to be able to get a record deal. So you see, when I'm mentioning prostitutes, okay, I'm speaking from a very real sense. I'm not just trying to um, belittle someone. I'm trying to help men get their manhood and women get their virtue back that they may choose Jesus Christ and follow him and do everything that he wants them to, okay? So anyway, I wanna get started. Let's go to First uh, Samuel chapter eight. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 8 and we'll move on from there. But I got a few videos for you guys to listen to that hopefully you guys will find very interesting because, I mean, you know, the devil right now, he's working overtime in destroying lives. When you think about the fact that the devil tried to 
get Jesus in the wilderness to offer him these things, what was the devil trying to turn Jesus into? One of his little prostitutes, one of his little minions. You know, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these different things. What did he want Jesus to be? The Antichrist. He wanted him to work for him in this world. And the devil was so bent on Jesus Christ serving him that he offered him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment in time. This is what the devil will do to people because he cannot afford to have a Christian run free, okay? Get full of Jesus Christ and wreak havoc in his kingdom. So what does he, what does he do? He tries to entice. What, what do pimps usually do? Because I can't stand pimps. I may hate sin, but a pimp is something special because he'll find a woman that he know is totally ignorant of his lifestyle. And he'll probably look at her and see that she has daddy issues, you know, no father in her life. She may struggle with insecurity. You know, she may just be a pristine, clean girl that is totally ignorant of the street life. And he'll walk over to her as a perfect gentleman. And he may give her flowers. He may take her out. He may buy and give her things that she has never had before. You see, with the devil, he's the same way. No price is too good to get your soul. So this is how he works. He works his way in. He'll entice you. He'll, he'll fill you with all sorts of promises and lies. And then when he gets what he wants from you, then all of a sudden, now, ho, get on the street and make my money. You see, that's the mentality of the devil. And that's why a lot of people will go to Hollywood and they can sing and they can act and they can do all these things. The devil may see that you're beautiful. He may see that you have a lot of talent. But in the end, his goal is to use you and abuse you and exploit you. And when he is done, he'll find someone else to take your place. Look at Whitney Houston. Look at Michael Jackson. Look at Elvis. Look at all the people that had exceptional talent in the world. And when the devil was done with them, he destroyed them. You see, that's what he does. And right after Whitney Houston, he got Mariah Carey. Then Mariah Carey get used up. All right, not after her. We need somebody who can booty shake in here. So who does he get next? He gets Beyonce. You see, and then when he's done with Beyonce, because she's about 30, 36, 38 years old, she's going to soon be too old. And what is he going to do? kick her to the curb and pull up someone else that can take her place. The devil uses batteries and he throws them away to fund his kingdom. But our God takes used batteries out of the garbage. He gets prostitutes out of the whorehouse and he cleans them up and he restores them and redeems them to the place of wholeness of like a virgin to become a bride, to be full of you know, um, holiness and cleanliness and godliness. And then he makes that woman his bride. This is how our Lord works in comparison to the enemy. But, but we're going to look at a particular king in First Samuel chapter eight that was an abuser also. And why he became such an abuser is because the people would not choose God. So this is where we're going to start. All right, let's go to First Samuel eight. And like I tell so many, Guys, have your Bible out in front so you can understand this and you can teach it to other people, even if there's a correction that needs to be made. I'm not above that. I'm open to it. You may put in the message box, hey, brother, you read that wrong, or you said this or that wrong. So be it. All glory be to the Lord, okay? Because this is all about edification and understanding. So look at 1 Samuel 8. Let's look at verse 1. 
It says, and it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted the judgment. Okay, so Samuel was a righteous uh, prophet before the Lord that did everything that the Lord told him to. And then, you know, Samuel has sons that come along and they don't follow in the ways of their father. They begin to go after lucre, which is, you know, like money or, you know, bribes and things. And then it says, and they perverted judgment. So as you can see, Samuel's sons were bought. They were bought because of the fact that they wanted to be prostitutes and not men of God. You see, and that's why the Bible tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So as you can see, these guys went after Lucre and right after they took the bribes and the money, they pervert judgment. Who does this? You get a lot of false prophets and teachers out there and pastors that when they start to get a little money, they begin to change, okay? I'm not talking about those that are doing righteous with God's money to fulfill God's will, but you got some others out there. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter eight, Sister Tara, you know? So when you look at this, they like to take bribes and because of that, their judgment became perverted. So look at verse four and then it says, then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, behold, thou art old and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So the people no longer trust in Samuel, not because of Samuel, but because of what his sons are doing. And he's saying, you know what? We don't need, you know, um, any more judges. We just need to be able to have a king over us that will rule over us. So they stopped paying attention to God because Samuel's two sons gave God a bad name. Not that God was involved with any of the sin that they were committing, but you see, this is why it's important that we not blaspheme God, that when we are Christians, we glorify God with our vessels, because if we don't, you know, people will look at us if we call ourselves Christians and they'll make their examples based on how we live. And that's why a lot of people today will even tell you, I don't wanna go to church, there's hypocrites in church. And yeah, there are plenty of hypocrites in church and throughout the world, but don't let them send you to hell. You know, you've got to go and get God for you, okay? So these people no longer trust in God because of the fact that Samuel's two sons have been, you know, they were trying to pimp out the people, okay? So anyway, look at verse six, and it says, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected you. They have not rejected thee or you, Samuel, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. According to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served of the gods, so do they also unto thee. So as you can see, 
This is where the Lord begins to look at us and look at himself. You know, it's amazing that God never took us and treated us as our sins deserve. But because you had two people here using the name of Jesus or using the name of God that did not do right, you see how the people were so done with, with God and they wanted to uh, have some king rule over them. So as you can see, you know, God is patient. God is long suffering. God wants us to be right with him so that we can be right. You know, um, he wants us to be right with him so that he can show us the way. So anyway, so God is remembering, you know what? Since I brought these guys out of Egypt, everything I've done for them, they've always turned their backs on me and went elsewhere. So look at verse of nine. And it says, now therefore hearken unto their voice. How be it, ye protest solemnly unto them and shew them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So the Lord says, okay, if that's what they want a king, I can't violate their free will. I'll give them a king, but he's asking Samuel to solemnly protest. Like, let these guys know the type of king that they're going to have. So maybe with a, a judgment that they're conscious of, that they'll choose God. But look at verse 10. And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people and uh, that asked him for a king or that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. So as you can see, this king is, you know, if he becomes king, he's gonna make them his servants and not servants of God. Hey, this is springing up in a lot of churches with all these false pastors. Look at verse 12. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. Now notice all that they've ever said about this king is his, 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 his. Okay, and it's gonna be all about this king. One identifying mark between God and the devil is this. God is selfless, the devil is selfish. Okay, so God will do things just because, but the devil will do things just for a return on his investment, how it will benefit him, what will further along his agenda. So as you can see, there is I in the devil's kingdom, and when it comes to God, God is selfless, okay? So anyway, look at verse 13, and it says, and he will take your daughters to be his confectionaries and be his cooks and be his bakers. So confectionary of those who like go out and get oils and perfumes and things like that. And then he says, they'll be his cooks and his bakers, and he will take your fields and your vineyard and your vineyards and your olive yards even the best of them and give them to his servants. So he's going to take, you know, the things that belong to the people and not just, you know, keep them for himself, but he's going to give it to those who are closest to him. He's going to make people work for other people. All right. This is exactly how the devil's kingdom is set up. Then it says in verse 15, and he will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. Guys, does this sound familiar? 
because it should. What we're going to be talking about tonight, too, is the tithe. The tithe was an old agricultural law that was given, you know, under the old covenant that was only meant to feed the priest because, you know, they couldn't own land to, to feed themselves. Okay. But as you can see, um, God says that, well, we'll get there, but you see, this guy's going to take a tenth of your seed and he's going to give it to his officers and his servants. This is very much the way that the world works. Look at verse 16. And, and I'm not speaking against offering. You can give an offering because the Bible says not to give grudgingly nor of necessity for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So you may give more than 10% out of the kindness of your heart because that's how God wants us to be is led by the spirit. But when you give a 10th, you know, that means whether times are good or bad, this is commanded of you to give this amount. That's all up under the Mosaic law. And as you can see, many of those pastors, they take their tent today and they ride around in their Maseratis and their Rolls Royces and their $65 million Gulfstream jets and all these different things that they're a part of, all because they abuse and they use the tithe, okay? So this man will take a tenth, look at verse 16, and he will take your men's servants and your maid servants, like basically your butlers or those who live with you and will do services for you, uh, and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. So everything that you might've been, that you might've had, that you might've been given, that this man will take advantage of and make it his. Then it says in verse 17, and he will take of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye have chosen, which ye have chosen you, or which ye shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, that um, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So what did they do? They stopped trusting in God and began to put their trust in man. And that's why the Bible says in Jeremiah 17 and five, cursed is the man that trusteth in man that maketh flesh his arm and his heart departed from the Lord. So as you can see, these people wanted a king because they wanted to be like all the other nations. Guys, I want you to think about the church, how the church thought, you know what, in order to get people saved, we've got to be more like the world. And you're going to find out that this was all orchestrated. And the more the church has become like the world, the more you see the church using and abusing its power, turning people away from Jesus and getting all the riches that they can get from them. So they want a king to protect them. They want a king to fight for them. But you got to understand when Jesus died, was buried and resurrected, the temple was rent, the veil was torn. So God made it so that we could all come before God and get to know him personally and not through some man. You see, and that's the unfortunate thing today where you got a lot of people that go to church, that their pastor is their God, he's their covering. I tell people, don't follow me. The spirit may speak and may teach and you may have something to gain from it, but hey, all eyes on Christ, okay? That's my only assignment is to tell people about Christ 
that they can become full of Jesus Christ. But as you can see, a lot of people are taking advantage of today because they trust in these lying pastors and these teachers. You even got Christians that, you know, love their government and they look, they're still looking for the right man in office. When you're never going to have a right man in office, the only right one that needs to be in office is Christ. You need a God-fearing man that loves Jesus Christ, that is a true Christian, not proclaiming to be, that will meet the needs of Christ. Because you know what? When men will not allow God to rule over them, then they will be overruled by tyrants. That's the way the world works, and that's the way it's always been. Why do you think in America the economy is collapsing? Why do you think all these things are taking place today? Because man has taken his eyes off of God and he's deciding to let men rule over him. And men, when they rule over you, they are going to take advantage of you in every single way. Why? Because they're just men. And if they're fallen men, they've got the nature of Satan. They're not even like God. So can you imagine what's going to happen? So yeah, this is what we're gonna be talking about, guys that how these false prophets are taking over people, but we're gonna even see, even in gangs, even in politics, even with the Illuminati and all that they're doing, they're, they're whoring, I mean, they're pimping whores. And unless you find Christ, you're gonna go right on with the masses, believing in the American dream, and your heart will depart from Christ. So let's look at this. I wanna give, an, give another example of this. Let's go to Amos chapter eight. Amos chapter eight. I believe Amos is right after Hosea. Yes. No, after Joel, actually. So let's look at Amos eight. And let's begin at verse one. I promise, guys, we're going to really get into this, but I want to set the floor so that people have an understanding of pimps and whores. Because you see, Saul wasn't a king. Saul became a pimp. Saul became to, you know, began to be a guy who used people for his benefit. But as you can see, David, and I got that teaching coming up about David and Saul, but David was a man after God's own heart. And David did some wrong and David repented. But as you can see, David loved the Lord. And, and you know, there was no king greater than David in Israel, even unto this day. Even with what David did wrong, David is still held in very high regard with the Lord because he loved the Lord and he would do anything for the Lord. And, and another fascinating thing about David is whenever he sinned, he never repeated the same sin. Once he repented, he was done with it. So we can't look down on David. <laughs> Let's look at Amos 8, guys. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, thus uh, hath the Lord God shewed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon my people of Israel, and I will not again pass by them anymore. And the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place, they shall cast them forth with silence. So what God is looking at here, what he's talking to Amos about, Amos says he sees a basket of summer fruit, but the Lord is saying that he's not gonna overlook Israel's sin anymore. He's going to lay out 
what's going to happen to Israel because they have forsaken the Lord. So he says, the songs of the temple shall be howlings. This is what you find a lot of today. People may go and sing and, you know, they cut all kinds of worldly songs and they stamp Jesus's name on it. But, you know, there's no powerful uplifting. There's nobody getting saved from this. There's no spirit working with a lot of the contemporary false Christian music today. He says there will be howlings because they're not singing unto the Lord with praise. They're singing unto themselves. And he says, in that day, saith the Lord God, there shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. So you know when the spirit of God is taken out of the temple or even out of you and I or any other place, even a church, you're going to find lots of dead bodies laying around, not full of the spirit, no desire to serve the Lord. They just go for the sake of going. Look at verse four. He says, hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail. So notice he's talking to the people that oppress people. He's getting ready to judge those who swallow up the needy. All these prosperity preachers, all these politicians, all these rappers that are paid large sums of money to turn your son or daughter into a whore or a whoremonger. He's speaking to those types of people. Okay. He says, look at verse five, saying, when, when, when will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn and the Sabbath that we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great and falsifying the balances by deceit. So let's understand this. He's saying that these people that are in the temple making money off the people, he says these people will wonder, when does the new moon pass? When does the Sabbath day pass and all these different things? When do they go away? So that way we can go back to buying and selling and making money in the house of the Lord. So you know, on the Sabbath day, it was a day of rest. And the new moons, you know, they would have their holidays around, but these people can't wait for these things to go so that they can continue to make money off the people. You see how they're pimping and whoring out the people? And then it says, you guys will be familiar with this one. While they do this, he says in verse five, making the ephah or the measure small and the shekel, which is the gain great, and falsifying balances by deceit. So I'll give you an example of this. I remember when we were kids in church, we were in church for quite some time. That's one thing I respect about Pastor Price and guys like that, where when they preach, Pastor Price would preach for hours, but you know what? I'm right there soaking it up. You know why? Because he cares enough to preach the word until it's saturated in you, until it's soaked down in you, until it grounds you, until it becomes a part of you. But today, what you see is the ephah small and the shekel great. You ever notice you go to church, you may get like a little 25 minute, 30 minute sermon, but you know, the shekel, oh man, they bring in the money. So you're starting to get less, but you're paying more. You're getting less of the word of God, less of spiritual fruit, less of the things that God wants you to have in, in his word, you know, to know God's word. But these people make the ephah you know, small. I'm only going to give you a little word. I'll find one verse and talk about that for 20 minutes, but I want you to pass that offering plate around two or three times. This is what you're seeing going on in the church today. 
They're pimping out the people. And it says, and falsifying the balances by deceit. So, you know, these people are taking money, telling you they're doing all these different things, but they're not. Look at verse six, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell and refuse of the wheat. So what do they want? They wanna pimp the people out for silver so that they can buy you know, silver and shoes and sell and do all these things. Their desire is to pimp the people, but Jesus said, Peter, if you love me to feed my sheep, not to fleece them, not to take advantage of them. But this is what you see going on, guys. Look at verse seven. The Lord hath sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. So God is saying, if you do my people wrong, I'm gonna remember this. Look at verse eight. Shall not the land tremble for this and everyone mourn that dwelleth therein? And it shall rise up holy as a flood and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. And, and I will make as the morning of an, of, an, um, of an only son, the end thereof as a bitter day. So what is the Lord saying? Because they're pimping the people and using them and taking advantage of them. He says that their feast would be turned into lamentation and he's gonna bring sackcloth upon all loins. Sackcloth is a type of humility that is used to you know, make people uh, humble themselves before the God to look like a bum or a ragamuffin and to praise the Lord. So God is gonna bring humbleness, but he says baldness upon every head. Now, you know, baldness upon every head means having no covering, no God. So God will allow them to be bald because he's going to remove himself from the people. Look at verse 11, behold, the days come, saith the Lord God that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water or for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. So this is exactly what we're dealing with today, that this there's not a famine for food or water with the church of God, but it's a famine to hear the word of God. How many pastors are actually preaching the new word? I mean, the true word. How many of them are going after what God wants and they're edifying the people that they may grow? How many are doing that? You know, at times I got to go to YouTube and listen to Pastor Price, or I've got to go to, you know, back to the 80s, you know, listening to Derek Prince and R.W. Schombach and Burke Clendenin and, you know, A.A. Allen and all these guys who knew the Lord for real and Leonard Ravenhill and David Wilkerson, all these guys that really had a love and thirst for what God wants. I've got to go back and hear that. If I wanna hear good preaching, I've got to probably wander all around Portland, Oregon, where I live, okay, just to try and find one who can present the message. This is why as a Christian, you can't afford to fool around. You've got to get full, you've got to study to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, 
who can rightly divide the word of truth. You can't afford to fool around with people. You've got to get full of Christ and go and do the work yourself, okay? Because what is happening is there is a shortage of the word of God. And because of that, you've got a lot of pimps and you've got a lot of prostitutes. And this is exactly what we're talking about. So guys, I wanna play a quick clip, okay? Before we go any further, I think you guys will enjoy this teaching, but it's gonna be a short clip because we got about three videos to play today. So I don't wanna waste any time, but I want people to see what's happening to them, how they're being used and how ridiculous this is. You know, a prostitute after a while doesn't even know that she's being pimped. She doesn't even know over time that it's not normal for a man to beat on you and demand that you take care of him and you go around and sleep with men. That's why usually if you're on, if you're, uh, you know, whoring, you're usually doing drugs as well, trying to escape reality. And when we're whoring, we're drunk too. You know, when we're whoring on Christ, not doing what he says. You know, you ask yourself, how can a guy like Creflo Dollar and Joe Osteen take so much money from people, drive down the street, splashing mud on these people's shoes and their new Maseratis, and these people can just sit there and deal with it because they're drunk, because they're, they're drugged out. You know, they've been bewitched that they're obeying these false prophets and doing the things that they say. So this is called, let me pull this up real quick. This is called uh, Five Signs to Identify False Prophets and Teachers. Okay, so you guys listen to this. It'll be in the uh, description box when you guys want to watch the video. Jesus warned that in the last days there would come many false prophets and teachers that would deceive many people. There's a lot of confusion over who these false teachers and false prophets are, and many people don't know how to identify them. So in this video, I'm going to show you five signs that you can use to identify false prophets and false teachers. Hi, I'm training to be an end-time survivor by listening to God and learning the lessons that He wants to teach me so that I can live in harmony with His will. Today I'm going to show you five signs that you can use to identify false prophets and false teachers. And towards the end of the video, I'm going to point you to some really helpful resources where you can go deeper into these issues. Sign number one, self-promotion. False teachers and false prophets promote themselves. Even though they talk about Jesus, their ministries revolve around themselves. That's why their ministries are named after them, and they have photos of themselves all over the place for everyone to see. They consider themselves to be more important than the message. They use titles of respect like apostle, reverend, teacher, pastor, father. They invite you to a Billy Graham crusade or an apostle so-and-so's place or, or to see a particular pastor's church. But they don't invite you to a Jesus Christ crusade. They don't want to present the Jesus of the Bible to you. They want to present themselves. In contrast, Jesus said that the greatest person in the kingdom of God is the one who considers themselves last and that we should not allow other people to address us with titles of respect because we're all brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. Sign number two, popularity. False teachers and false prophets are popular. 
They tell people what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. These conmen don't have much conflict with the system because they teach things that people in the system already value. They are popular because they teach popular topics. I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know. Maybe your back's against the wall. Maybe you're in a financial crisis. Maybe it could be that your, your business is not flourishing like you want it to flourish. Maybe your family is not where it ought to be. But you so desperately want to move forward in your life. When you go through the day saying, I am blessed, blessings come looking for you. I am talented, talent comes looking for you. You may not feel up to par, but when you say, I am healthy, health starts heading your way. I am strong, strength starts tracking you down. You're inviting that into your life. You need a new home? You've got it. You need a better car and transportation? You've got it. You need peace and harmony in your home? You've got it. If you believe those words, I prophesy them into your being. This is your day, saith God. For I've sent my servant to prophesy life to you, abundance to you, health to you, saith the Lord. So do not draw back, but take this word and mix it with the action of faith. And you see that mixing of action with your faith will bring about the miracle you need this day in your life. Saith the Lord. I love to prophesy. Oh, I love to. I, I tell you, I love to prophesy. Amen. Jesus said, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, because they've always treated the false prophets in that way. Jesus didn't teach a message that was compatible with the system. He said that he didn't come to bring peace but division, and that even our own families would be divided because of him. When someone wanted to follow him, he didn't try to sell the message with attractive baits. Instead, he told them clearly what the cost was for discipleship. And if people were not willing to leave their possessions, their family ties, to take up their cross, and to be willing to die for the gospel, he wouldn't accept them as disciples. True prophets are rejected by the system. They're despised, and all kinds of evil things are said against them, because the world cannot tolerate the true message of repentance that they preach. So when you see it, religious leader who has a lot of popularity, you need to be hearing some spiritual alarm bells going off. Don't be deceived. Sign number three, disobedience. False prophets don't live according to the teachings of Jesus. They disobey Jesus and they justify their disobedience. Whoever says they know Jesus, but they disobey him is a liar. These con men hardly ever mention the teachings of Jesus. Instead, they talk about the law of Moses, the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, Paul's epistles, or any other scripture that they can twist for their own benefit. But they hardly mention the requirements that Jesus laid out for following him because they themselves do not practice them. That's why even after people have been going to church for years, they hardly know anything about what Jesus taught. Did you say, for example, 10 things that Jesus said for us to do? Actually, no, I couldn't. Five things? Not even five. Okay, but one? No. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I already know much about the Bible, you know what I mean? But, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm a Christian, you know what I mean? Yeah. I already know much about the Bible. Right. But... Just loving other people and just loving God is... Just... That those are two commandments. I can't tell you ten things, I don't think, I'm sorry. All right. So you believe in Jesus? Yes, and definitely. Could you name ten commandments of Jesus? No, I can't. How familiar are you with what Jesus taught? Yeah. I'm really familiar, I left the Bible. Yeah. Can, you, can you name like ten things that Jesus said? Not a flaw of my head. Could you think, think of ten things that he perhaps said? 
Um, not, I mean, yeah, yeah not, not necessarily off the top of my head. In contrast, true Christians live in harmony with the teachings of Jesus. Their role model is Jesus. That's why their lives are consistent with Christ's message and example. Sign number four, lying signs and wonders. Jesus said that false prophets would be able to do signs and wonders so impressive that they could almost deceive true Christians. He said that on judgment day, many people would say that they did miracles in his name, cast out demons in his name and did all kinds of signs in the name of Jesus. But he'll say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who always did evil. In contrast, Jesus did genuine miracles and healed many people. But he would tell them not to publicize the miracle. He would try to hide his miracles as much as possible. Because the miracles were genuine, the miracles would publicize themselves without much advertising on his behalf. Whereas the phonies are the ones who are always publicizing the supposed miracles they do themselves. More importantly, signs and wonders don't prove anything by themselves. Even secular magicians are able to deceive many people with tricks and gimmicks that are able to produce the illusion of a genuine miracle. So put your faith in Jesus, not in signs and wonders, or you'll be easily deceived. Sign number five, materialism. False prophets and teachers love money. They preach about economic prosperity and having a comfortable life right now in almost all of their sermons. I can dream as long as I want to. I can believe God as long as I want to. If I want to believe God for a $65 million play, you cannot stop me. You cannot stop me from dreaming. Money, you don't belong to the wicked. You belong to us. And I want you to get in the right place. And Paul even tells us in the Bible that when we give of our finances, that's like sowing seed. Inside that seed is the word of God. And the word of God is also inside this seed. Now, are you going to keep the seed in your pocket? Or are you going to plant the seed and make the donation? I have a feeling that somebody that wants a credit card debt wiped out, that if you use your faith as you sow, as you sow the thousand on a credit card, as you use your faith, as you use your faith, God's going to wipe out your credit card indebtedness. Let me tell you, this thousand dollar seed is breaking the shackles. It's breaking the shackles. It's breaking the chains. And to me, a thousand dollar seed is proof that you have conquered greed. I like new money. Most beautiful thing on earth is a hundred dollar bill. I haven't seen a woman as good looking as a hundred dollar bill. There's something about a hundred dollar bill that excites you. They promote the middle class or higher lifestyles, and they promise economic and spiritual benefits to anyone who would give them money. But they hardly ever tell you to give the money to the people who really need it. In contrast, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Jesus himself said that we cannot serve two masters, that we will love one and hate the other. Ask yourself, who do these preachers love, God or money? The early Christians revolutionized the world because they believed in the teachings of Jesus. They lived together and shared everything they had one with another. They would sell their possessions and their properties and give the money to the apostles who would distribute to the people who were in need. They didn't keep the money for themselves. Now you have five signs that you can use to identify a false prophet or teacher. 
So when you see these signs in a religious leader, beware, because they're probably a charlatan. To see more material on how to live by faith in the end times, make sure you subscribe to the channel and set it to receive notifications so you won't miss a single video. We have other videos that explore other aspects of living radically in the present time that I'm sure will inspire you. And below in the description of this video, you'll find links that go to articles from our website that go a lot deeper into the issues we raised in this video. What experiences have you had personally with false teachers and prophets? And what other signs are there that we can use to identify them? We'd love to hear from you on our forum where we're connecting with sincere. Okay, so you guys get the picture. I mean, you know, if it wasn't said, you could really find that comical because it's unbelievable the lies that people believe and a deception, you know, and, and no one can see it. That's what's bad about our minds and what we were made in and born in, why we spend 250,000 just to go to college and spend the rest of our lives in debt, you know? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with an education, but we gotta understand on every single level, we've been pimped out. I mean, and we've been pimped out bad. I mean, so much so that you might be a Christian and you go into school and you know, you go into college and you come out, you're an atheist or an agnostic, and you think that you found some new knowledge, but what really happened? You were pimped out. And this is exactly what the devil does. The devil will, you will let you go to his institution and learn all those lies for all that money, and then put you out on a corner as his so that you can deny Christ. That's why we gotta understand what's going on and see everything that is, and because the Lord does not want his people being the fool. He wants us to have that understanding that, you know what, we've been accepted in the beloved, and we don't have to buy the lies of the enemy. I wanna show you guys something else. Let's look at, uh, look at Isaiah chapter 56. Let's go to Isaiah 56 and let's look at verse nine. As we talk about pimps and hoes. Let's just talk about Jesus with a <laughs> Gucci belt. I'm sick of these titles. Amen, yeah. And I mean, it's like, who are these people? Gucci, Louis Vuitton, and all this. That's a joke, man. These are who people tell you they're important. You can buy the same kind of belt with the same material for far less. But this is how you get pimped. Even if you look at sneakers, I'm glad you brought that up, like Jordans. People will pay $400 for a pair of Jordans, but Jordan ain't giving you one cent. Jordan ain't even in the league anymore. And if you ever look up videos of what Michael Jordan really thinks of people, I mean, you know, you'd be shocked. Okay, so he's also learned how to pimp the people. But look at how we believe that something has more value than another thing simply because of the name and the price tag that is stamped on it. We're getting pimped out, man, you know, but it's just amazing what we pay attention to. Oh man, where did I say go? All right, yeah, let's go to Isaiah chapter uh, 56. I mean, when you love this world, your nose is wide open for the devil. He can only pimp those who love the world. If you want nothing from him, there's nothing he can really do to you. You can't be bought, and that's how Jesus wants his bride. You can't be bought. You've got these, you know, women that will sleep around for nothing. And then you've got women that will sleep around for a price. To be honest with you, you know, those who will sleep around from the for a price are even worse because 
you can assume the woman that sleeps around for nothing, she's probably been, you know, abused so bad that she doesn't even know what she's doing is wrong. I mean, she's probably just immorally, you know, soul torn and everything else and feels like she's valueless. But then you got the woman that says, I can put a price tag on this and make money. So she has even less, you know, awareness of the value of her own body. She puts it out to sell. That's even worse. I'm sorry. I mean, some people will say, well, you can make a few extra bucks. But yeah, you look at yourself as something now and not someone. I mean, this is how the devil tricks people. Isaiah 56, guys, look at verse nine. He says, all ye beasts of the field come to devour. Yea, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. So whose watchmen are these? This is Satan's watchmen. They're blind. A watchman is a type of pastor or shepherd or minister. And he says they are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. So if you guys go to Ezekiel 33 in your spare time and you read verses one through nine, it tells you that when the people have chosen a watchman over their cities, that the watchman is supposed to sound the trumpet when he sees danger coming. But what you find uh, here is for Satan's watchmen, they're blind. They don't even see the future, nor do they care about it. He says they're ignorant. That means they don't know. He says they are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. They're sleeping. They're lying down and they love to slumber. Now, can you guys imagine having any shepherd over you that won't tell you about danger, won't tell you about the end times, won't even be able to shout and tell you how to get built up because he's sleeping and he's not even worried about, you know, the danger of the people. This is what you call, um, you know, a pimp. He doesn't care about the prostitute. Look at verse 11. He says, yay, they are greedy dogs, which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. And they all look to their own way everyone for his gain from his quarter. So what is he interested in? Himself. He does not care for the people. Jesus spoke about a particular individual like this is what we need to look out for. You see, a lot of people get pimped out because they don't want Jesus. They want other things in the world. And when the devil sees that, he'll give you, you know, he sees sucker written on your forehead. And what he does from there is he'll use and abuse. But you see, this is something that we must be aware of. This is why Jesus tells us not to love the world. Because if we do, then we're going to be victim to whatever the world issues out. You know the devil doesn't give things away for free. That's not his character. I've got to use you and abuse you. And then when I have degraded and demoralized you, now I can say, all right, you're all right. Let me give him something to make $56 million you know, and go out there and do whatever. These rappers get abused. These actors and actresses get abused. And I mean, used up in ways you wouldn't even imagine. You look at Jay-Z and Beyonce, supposed to be husband and wife. Well, you know, you can even imagine if those kind of people have that much control over you, they'll probably tell Jay-Z, you know what? In order for you to stay in this business and not deal with our wrath after we got you involved with us, Yo, let my man sleep with your wife real quick. So, you know, when that gets over with, then we can go back to resume whatever. You see, you can never appease the devil. Once you have given him 
access to you. He is going to take from you everything that you have. But God doesn't come to take anything from us except the bad away. And then he comes to restore us, to make us fruitful and respectable and holy. Man, you can't beat God given. You can't, I mean, you know, if you want anything other than God, that's a problem. But you see, why do people sit up under these dumb dogs? Your answer is in Jeremiah 3. Let's look at this, guys. Jeremiah 3, and let's look at verse 1. This is the problem, guys. This is the problem. Jeremiah 3, let's begin at verse 1. And it says, they say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. So what's the Lord saying? The Lord is saying, if imagine men, if you're married to a woman, you got a wife, and imagine wives, if you've got a husband and your husband goes out and cheats on you, lays around with a woman. And I mean, you know, he's just having all his fun. Okay. Doing everything with her that he would do with you. And then he comes back to you and then wants to, and you know about this and he just wants to be with you and wants to show you love the same way. Can you imagine what that would feel like? Now, I'm not trying to bring bad vibes to anyone that's married because, you know, there are no unreconcilable or irreconcilable differences with the Lord. The Lord preaches forgiveness. But I'm just trying to say for those right now who can get the mental picture of what I'm telling you, and I'm sure your face is frowned up, you know, tight, that, you know, that's disgusting. Imagine men, somebody sleeping with your wife, and then she comes back to you and tells you she loves you but you know what she did, okay? So the Lord is saying that land would be greatly polluted. Now, thank God for Jesus because he can redeem and fix any situation, but this is the mental picture that the Lord wants to give us that we may have understanding. So look at verse two. He says, lift up, lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou hast been lying with. In the ways hast thou set for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. So as these people were going around serving and worshiping other gods, you can see now at this point that God is saying, man, my land is polluted because you took the promised land and brought all these false gods in there to worship. Look at verse three. He says, therefore the showers have been withholding and there have been no latter rain and thou hast a whore's forehead, thou refusest to be ashamed. So what he's saying here is that the showers, whenever you hear the word showers, guys, he's speaking of the Holy Ghost. He's speaking of an outpouring or revival of the Holy Spirit that is supposed to be around the people of God. He says, because these people have been laying up with just about every man, woman, beast, God, or whatever, have forsaken God, and went on to all these false gods being intimate with them. He says, I have held back the showers. I can't give you my spirit. I can't give you an overflowing and a bursting forth of the Holy Ghost. He says, because there have been no latter rain 
and thou hast a horse forehead and thou refusest to be ashamed. So what the Lord is saying here is, I can't pour my rain on you, that baptism of the spirit, that real fire of the Holy Ghost, because you think like a whore. You've got a whore's forehead. You like getting pimped out. You like getting prostituted. You like putting your trust in men and not in God. And because of that, he says, you even refuse to be ashamed. There's no shame in a, in a prostitute. You guys see them when they walk down the street, skirts up to their tonsils. They got their cleavage showing. They got everything, you know? Um, what do you call it? Uh, dresses that accentuate their curves. And they want people to see what they are. And they have no shame in it whatsoever. This is what you find in a lot of women today. They are proud to play the harlot. They are proud. I mean, they even call their, their girlfriends, you know, my bees, me and my hoes, me and my bees. This is the whore's forehead. How you think it's a joyous thing to pimp, I mean, to get pimped out by the world, pimped out by the devil and men, and then you come before God and act like everything is all right. God wants to give us the mind of Christ that we may understand, I don't have to be pimped to be loved. I don't have to be accepted by the world. I don't need some good, no good man to use me. I can give everything to Christ because I'm accepted in him and I'll wait on what he wants me to have. Guys, this is so, so important that we must understand that God wants a bride and he's coming back for one without spot, blemish or wrinkle. But you know, if you change your thinking, you change your life. That's not philosophy, that's Bible, okay? You've got Ephesians 5 that talks about, or Ephesians 4, the renewal of our minds, not to be conformed to the world, Romans 12 says, but be renewed in the spirit of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, a prostitute has no chains on her except her pen. And you know, he's never going to treat her as an equal. He's never going to give her everything that she needs and let her moves on. She does all the work and he sits back and kicks in everything he needs from her. You know, and, and that's sad to watch, but it's the horse forehead. We have stinking thinking that allows us to go after things that are not of God. Hey, brother Michael Adams, how's it going? I just saw your message. You know, good to hear from you, bro. You know, but this is just one of those things where if we're not careful, we're going to get pimped out. And that's what God does not want for his bride. So, you know, look at Second uh, Peter chapter two. And then after that, guys, we're going to get right into this thing. Second Peter two. And let's look at verse one. Then we're going to talk about, man, how to get set free from this, how not to be in line with these sort of things. And like I said, I've got two other videos I want to play for you guys that you're going to find interesting. So look at Second Peter chapter 2, guys, in the back of your Bibles. Look at verse 1. What does my sister say? Amen. A bride without blemish, spot, or wrinkle. Amen. So he says in Second Peter 2 and 1, but there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who shall privily as in sneakily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So what is heresy? Heresy, guys, is like false doctrine. 
it's like something that, you know, comes in that shouldn't be. Like, a lot of people believe in this once saved, always saved doctrine. We're going to discuss that tomorrow night's teaching, but that's a lie from hell. Jesus says, he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. But you see, those people that believe once saved, always saved, they've got a whore's forehead. You know why they believe in that doctrine? Not because they just want to talk about the goodness of God, but they want to go out and get caught up in their own filthy sin and have as much fun as a whore and never give it fully over to Christ. So, Lord, it doesn't matter what I do. You know, once you save me, I can go and fool around with the devil and everything that he likes, and then I can come back. You see, the, the once saved, always saved doctrine is a whore's doctrine. That's what a whore would go after. You know, another one, a pre-tribulation rapture. I don't want to be a bride and stick with my husband until death, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, for sickness and in health, till death do you part. I don't want a husband like that. I don't want to be a bride like that. I want to be one that when the going gets tough, I get going. And that's what the pre-tribulation rapture is about. Paul says that for all who will live godly will suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is what we got. And this is what we're dealing with, guys. This is what we're dealing with. Look at verse two. He says, and many shall follow their pernicious or destructive ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now you get a couple of religious people hearing this message and hearing what's being said, even though we're bringing truth here and it's all Bible, you're gonna find that they're going to speak goodness as evil. You see, and this is why if you tell people that homosexuality is wrong and it's not of God and you can't be a Christian and be a homosexual, just like you can't be a Christian and remain a fornicator. Like you can't be a Christian and be an adulterer, okay? You know, you've got to repent, move on, kick that sin away and walk with the Lord. But you see, whorish doctrines will tell you, well, you know, it doesn't matter if they're homosexual, we just need to love them and God will accept them and they don't need to change their dirty sin. I'll tell you something, a bride, a true bride, a virgin of the Lord desires to be clean because she wants to be led of God's spirit. A whore likes filth. A whore likes to be dirty. A whore will date a good man and the man will want to marry her and give her everything that she needs and be a good man. But a whore will say, uh-uh, buddy, you know, I want to be, you know, you're too nice of a guy. You're too good. I need a bad boy. I need someone that, you know, that just doesn't care much for me that I can be around. That's a whore's forehead. But you see, a bride desires to be clean and pristine, but a whore, she enjoys the filth. And that's what we must understand. We have to change our minds to get in line with God. But look at what he says in verse three. And through covetousness, which is greed, shall they with vain words make merchandise of you. So they're gonna make merchandise of the people you know, with their feigned words. And then it says, uh, they'll make merchandise of you who judgment now for a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. So as you can see, a lot of people enjoy being used. 
when you tell people at Creflo Dollars Church of those who love Joe Osteen and T.D. Jakes and Joseph Prince and Paula White and Joyce Meyer and, you know, all these guys that are out there using and abusing, Leroy Thompson and all these guys, when you tell them that these guys are false prophets, they'll tell you not to, what does it say? Uh, Touch not God's anointed and do thy prophets no harm. These people have been whored out that they can't even tell that these are not men or women of God. They're using people, man, and they don't care about your salvation. And when you get done giving them hundreds of thousands of dollars, you will go to hell because they don't want you to know Jesus. They want you to empty out those pockets. So as you can see, they make merchandise of you. Look at Jeremiah 5, and then I'm going to play another video for you guys that you can see what they're doing and what's truly going on with this. Jeremiah 5. And then we're going to talk about how to get set free. All right. Jeremiah 5, guys, and let's look at verse 22. Jeremiah 5, look at verse 22. He says, fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it. And though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over. So God is saying, guys, do you really wanna challenge me and get into it with me when I can make the water not overflow onto the shore, that I can hold those waters at bay by the laws of God and that the waves, although they roar and they move, they can't pass over. So God is trying to let these people know they're all power, that he's all powerful, that they need to want to get in line with him. But look at the problem in verse 23 about the horse forehead. It says, but this people have a revolting and rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain both the former and the latter, in his season he reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So what we need to understand, we did a teaching a few years ago and Pastor Price had a great teaching on it called the latter rain. But we must understand that there were two rains that fell in Israel. The first rain was for the growing of the crops, okay? And then the latter rain was for the maturing of the crops just before the harvest. A lot of Christians are even lied to today too, telling them that they don't need a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. The baptism by water, I believe you get a piece of the Holy Spirit because, you know, um, God gives you that. You know, he promises that, that we will have it. And that's for the growing of the crops. That's the beginning. That's to leave the world behind, walk with Christ and wash away your sins. But then there's the second baptism, which is the uh, baptism in the spirit where God breathes on you and gives you his spirit that you can be empowered to be a Christian, stay a Christian and get full of Christ to work the works of Christ. You need both. You need the former rain for the growing of the crops and you need the latter rain for the maturing of the crops. But a lot of these pimp preachers, man, they'll tell you, you got the Holy Ghost when you got baptized. I believe they may have had a portion because I have a teaching coming up 
that Jesus breathed twice. Notice uh, in the Bible, I, I don't have the scriptures in front of me right now, but Jesus walked through the wall, saw the children of, um, saw the uh, disciples, and he said, um, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, was that Acts the second chapter? No. Was that the time when they had, um, you know, the miracles and signs and wonders before them? No. But what they were able to do was after that, not shortly, go up and pray and fast in a room for 10 days so that they could have the baptism by fire. So Jesus breathed twice. The, the first time he said, receive the Holy Ghost. And the second time he said, the Bible made clear that there was a rushing as the sound of a mighty wind. And there was fire of clothing of cloven tongues that sat upon them. And they glorified God by speaking with tongues, you know, and, and um, ministering to everybody that was there that spoke other languages that were there on the day of Pentecost. So you need the former and the latter rain. Don't let anybody tell you different because God means for us not just to grow, but to mature so that he can use us. Don't be offended by what I'm saying. Seek after God, pray about it. Lord, you know what? I heard about this baptism in the Holy Ghost. I don't have it. So guess what? I'm gonna sanctify and set aside time for you that I can pray before you and receive it. This is not making you feel like any less of a Christian. God intends for his bride to also be equipped though that, so that she can walk with him. For those who don't want it, they'll turn from it. But for those who do, seek everything that the Lord, which is our husband, intends to give to his bride, all right? So um, Jeremiah 5, look at verse uh, 24. Of verse 25, he says, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. So God wants to pour the former and the latter rain on his people, but he says, your, your iniquities have turned away these things and your sins have withholden good things from you. Then he says, for among my people are found. So the reason why these people are still in sin and they're not getting the good or everything that God has to offer, that latter and that former reign. The answer is in verse 26. He says, for among my people are found wicked men. These are those pimps, okay? He says, they lay wait as he that setteth snares. They set a trap and they catch men. As a cage full of birds, so are their houses, their churches, full of deceit. Therefore, they are become great and waxen rich. So as you can see, these people are, you know, trapping people in their churches like a bunch of birds in a cage, and their houses are full of deceit, full of lies, full of false doctrine. And these people are becoming great because of this, and they're waxing rich. These pimps are getting rich by pimping out these prostitutes. Look at verse 28, they are waxing fat, they shine, yea, they, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless, yet they prosper, and the right of the, of the needy do they not judge. So these people don't tell you about sin. That's, that's Joel Osteen's church, T.D. Jakes' church, Creflo Dallas' church, they don't tell you about sin. They preach on prosperity, why? And because they want the money. 
They know that preaching about sin is not a popular doctrine. You don't see a whole lot of people looking at this channel. You know why? Because when you tell the truth, people do not want to hear it when they want to be pimped out by the world. So he says that they don't even look after the fatherless or the widow. Man, forget them. They go and make money. And you see a lot of people will say, well, look at... Uh, Look at uh, Ezekiel, or not Ezekiel, Elijah, when he went to the woman and asked her to feed him. Leonard Ravenhill said, if that's your example, yeah, he might have asked a widow to feed him, but he didn't ask from every woman and every widow in the nation to feed him. So, you know, that's a total different thing there. These people are pimps. So look at verse 29. Shall I not visit these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule uh, by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? So he said he made clear that the prophets uh, prophesy falsely and the priests, they bear rule over the people. But he says here in verse 31, but my people, they love to have it so. They love pimps and prostitutes. They love to be prostitutes because they have a whore's forehead. They desire the world. Let's look at John chapter 10. Let's go to John 10. And I want to play another video for you guys before it gets too late. But this is about the street gangs because a lot of, you know, gangsters think that they're hard men and they think that they're tough and all this other stuff, but they don't even realize they're somebody's hooker. They're somebody's little hoe, okay? They might walk around brazen just like a hooker walks around brazen trying to sell her body, but they're getting pimped out. This is called the truth about gangs, okay? This will also be in the search box or the description box. Listen to this, guys. Is that so much uh, of what we have seen in movies and television are symbols. Are you aware that um, that I have been talking to some doctors in Los Angeles who have been doing some research on this, and I find it to be absolutely fascinating that many of the gangs, the uh, Latino and the black gangs in the major cities across America, their graffiti that they are spraying on uh, buildings, their graffiti are actually Masonic emblems and Masonic seals and symbols. And I have seen a whole collection of these doctors, and these are medical doctors, but they are interested in this subject. And they have been collecting hundreds of pictures of uh, graffiti and showing the research into the ancient secret societies. And there's no way that these black and Latino gangs could know these symbols. They're, they're, they're definitely a connection between the gangs and some sort of a higher orchestrated mind behind the warfare going around between gangs. And now I've got older and, you know, I'm, I'm wiser now and I've been looking around and stuff and I started investigating the New World Order and the Illuminati and I gotta tell you, man, there's some strong similarities between the two. It almost makes me think that the Illuminati runs the gang system of America. The Bloods and the Crips, okay? You gotta understand something, people. This whole idea came from the kingdom of hell. It came from Satan, fallen angels, and demons and spirits. 
the whole idea did not come from the guys who started up the Bloods and the Crips. That didn't come from them. That did not come from them. They got that from Satan. And he put the idea in their minds and in their hearts. Okay? That whole thing come from the kingdom of darkness, man. And when every time Satan sees you, he sees all of your sins following you around, man. He sees all of your sins and your past sins following you around, tormenting your mind and haunting you. Why? Because you are not covered in Jesus blood so understand this satan knows how serious the blood is concerning with god okay he knows how serious the blood is even the witches know how serious the blood is okay evil witches uses people's blood to put curses and spells on the york right which we can see here has 13 degrees or 13 steps or 13 levels and the Scottish Rite, as we can see here, has 33 degrees. This is very interesting because two of the main Hispanic gangs, uh, Mara Salvatrucha, or MS-13, and Sureña Trece, both have 13 as their signifying number. And Trey Trey Crips, one of the bigger Crip gangs, uses 33 as its signifying number. So in other words, as you can see here, the Latin Kings, another really big street gang, they use the devil horns to signify their gang. Also, they use the crown, which anybody who studies the Illuminati knows that the crown represents the sun or its sun worship. And then I'm looking at a lot of the symbols. With the gang, bars decide who's in the people. I need to know, man. So tell me, brother, who we killing each other for? Colors, 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 colors. Killing each other for <laughs> And a lot of them comes from the Mason doctrine. And um, it, it really gets me <laughs> some of the laws is in the Mason's rule book. So, I mean, I mean, it's good enough to say that BGE was started by Freemasons. Are you a blood or are you a crook? Or are you just stupid? I just want to be 100. First of all, I do mess with you. However, you guys are being bamboozled, laid over that. I know some of y'all know, but some of y'all are still doing it. We're still killing each other instead of working together like the team should be. It's taking y'all and y'all, it's segregating y'all for reasons that y'all can't see, but y'all can't see because that one dude in your circle who's saying, now nah, F that, I'm this. And if that lays in the way, I'm clapping him. And then the suckers behind him be like, damn, yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? Because they want to be so tough and all of this. I gotta take the moment and listen. Because you got the bloods and the crips. You got the red and the blue. You got the Democrats and the Republicans. This is deeper than that. They doing what they want y'all to do. You know what I'm saying? The Illuminati is completely controlling y'all. And y'all don't even see that shit. You think about it. They're playing the chess right now, and the pieces are y'all. You pay attention, yo. Blacks and the Crips. There's murder rates out there. It's, it's the team woman right now. 
Y'all still letting them play with y'all lives, and then y'all OGs up there, y'all let the little ones go do the same thing. Stop letting these people lose y'all. They taking your bloods and clips, and they promoting y'all on television to make more violence, create more of that, this, that, and the third. And this is what's happening. And now it's going to the point where they starting to not need y'all because they got YouTube and social media, and rappers like the Shard Rap to promote all that gun and stuff. You know what I'm saying? It's another video game. It's another whole number video game like that. Because they don't want y'all sticking together. But y'all keep signing up for this Bloods and Crips thing. Y'all might as well sign up for Democrat or Republican and call it a day and do the peace civil war. Because they're using y'all to smoke each other. For your burning hell for all eternity. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary for your sin. He wants you to repent. He wants you to turn to him. Okay, guys, I'm going to put that in the description box because I'm not sure you guys can hear it too well. But they're pretty much saying that a lot of these gangs will put um, gang symbols up that are Illuminati symbols. And they know that through, you know, the esoteric occultism that the Illuminati does, there's no way that all these gangs can know it. How he says MS-13, um, they have the number 13. And then you've got, um, what is it, the trade? Uh, Crips or whatever, they use the number 33, you know, so, you know, they're pimping out these gangs and, you know, notice that they're red and blue, just like Democrat or Republican. That's what this guy's talking about. Politics go a long way and they need these gangs to make money, to make their agendas and to, and to bring forth certain political agendas and things that they want to happen. Okay. So we must understand that even these guys are being pimped out but they're selling these guys on that they're macho. Now, one would ask the question, how do these gangs know, how, how come they don't know they're being pent? Well, you've got to know that the devil will always place someone, you know, that does know what's going on in a leadership position. He usually someone that he'll give the money and the influence to, and that one individual will carry out their agenda. So these guys are, being educated to believe one thing or indoctrinated, but the truth is they're serving Satan. The truth is that the government controls it. That's why they don't put a cap on it. If this government wanted to stop gang violence and drugs in this country and everything like that, they would have done it. But they're making way too much money off of these groups who peddle their drugs, who do the things that they want. And these guys are being pimped out and prostituted to meet these people's agendas. This is exactly, guys, what we're talking about. This, this whore pimp thing you're gonna find before we close is a world system. The world system is a pimp and a whore. And you're either of Christ outside of this system or you're a part of it being whored and pimped out. Okay, so let's look at, uh, let's go to John 10, because I said I wanted to go there. John 10, let's look at verse six. John 10 and six, it says, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And Jesus said unto them again, verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. So as you can see, when you've got the mind of Christ and you don't have a horse forehead, you hear God and you don't hear all this other trash that they're pushing through the media and through the TV. 
And we're going to get on this lying media, too, that's got people, you know, listening to this stuff. Look at verse 9. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. He's speaking of the pimp right now. He says in verse 10, the thief, which is the devil, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that thou might have life and that thou might have it more abundantly. So Jesus comes to give selflessness. The devil comes to, to steal and to kill and to destroy. You look at any atmosphere in this world and it does one of the three. It steals, that's why they give you taxes that they, they take taxes that they never give you back, okay? They kill and they destroy, okay? So he says, look at verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. But he that is an hireling and not, and not the shepherd whose sheep whose own the sheep are, the sheep are not, it says, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. So you know what's interesting too, even if you were to look at the mafia and you look at how they had their omerta, their code of silence, you know, go to jail for me, be a man, don't rat. You know, that's another thing that they tell prostitutes, don't rat, don't tell on me, you do your bit when you get out, I'll take care of you. Don't you know that that's what a pimp does to a prostitute? Don't you know that a pimp will tell a prostitute, keep your mouth shut, she gets arrested. He comes down with the money, he takes care of her, he gets her new clothes, he bails her out, and then he puts her right back on the street. This is exactly the way that the world system works and how they use you and I. But Jesus said the hireling will run and leave the sheep, but Jesus gives his life for the sheep. And that's why the Bible tells us, lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. He says, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He says, you know, that, um, that you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love one or hate the other. You're gonna hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So as you can see, there's this contrast between a good shepherd, a good father, and then you've got the pimp on the other side looking to exploit the, the uh, father's daughter. That's exactly the way things are being done. Look at the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son had it, had it made in a shade. He left with his money to go into the world to seek his own. And in the end, he ended up working at a pigsty, okay, getting pimped out that he had to come to himself and say, you know what? It was better when I was with my father. That's something we gotta understand, man. Jesus loves the sheep and the devil means to destroy them. Okay, let's look at, uh, let's look at John 8. John 8, let's look at verse 20. I wanna give you guys an example of this. John 8 and verse 20. I mean, um, yeah, John 8 and verse 20. That's where I am. Oh man, thank you, Lord. John 8 and 20, look at verse one. I mean, verse 20, sorry. It says, these words spake Jesus to the treasury and he taught it in the temple and no man laid hands on him, 
for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and shall not, I mean, and shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come? And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, and I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. If ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So as you can see, you'll die a prostitute, you'll die pimped out if you don't let the Lord wash you clean and use you. The devil is going to use you, abuse you, destroy you, and throw you away. Look at verse 25. Then said they unto him, who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. And they understood not that he spake uh, to them of the father. You know why? Because they had a horse forehead. Look at verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the son of man, then shall ye know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself, but as my father have taught uh, me, I speak these things. Then it says, and he said, and he that sent me is with me. The father have not um, left me alone, but I do always those things that please him. So as you can see, Jesus went in accordance with his father and let his, and pleased his father. Look at verse 30. Uh, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews, which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. So Jesus is making it clear, if they're gonna be his disciples, then they're gonna continue in his words, continue to obey Christ, continue to walk in the spirit, continue to do the things that Jesus wants you to do. Look at verse 30. Um, actually, yeah, verse 30. And he spake these words, many believed on him. And he, and then said Jesus to those Jews, which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So what are we trying to tell people here today? That, you know, the truth, that you're getting pimped out, that this world does not love you, that it's going to use you and abuse you. No one's going to love you like your father, which is in heaven. No one's going to love you like your Lord and Savior, Jesus, which is from heaven. This is important that we have an understanding. Hey, Brother Victor from L.A., bless you too, bro. So you understand that if we know the truth, the truth sets us free. God shows us that we're whores, that we're used of the devil. And what God intends to do is wash us clean so that we can walk away from that pimp. All right, look at verse 33. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, uh, ye shall be made free. So these people don't even recognize that they're in bondage. They're talking about their Abraham's seed. The Lord is trying to get them to become the seed of him, the seed of the father. 
So as you can see, they're bound. They still got a horse forehead. They're still speaking of Abraham. And the Lord is trying to direct them unto him. So he says, um, ye shall be made free. Jesus says in verse 34, Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin uh, is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in their house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So you see a lot of us think that we're free, but we're not really free until Jesus Christ makes us free. A lot of us can say, I, I do my own thing. I make my own money. I earn an honest living and I do my life. Yeah, but you still got to pay taxes and you still get used every day. You're not serving the Lord. You're being used as a battery, pimped out. You're being sold the American dream, which is really a, a bunch of nothing. They're selling you vanity because you can't take that stuff with you. That's why it's important that we understand what Jesus is saying about being set free. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. See, you're bound to one thing or another in this world until Jesus Christ sets you free. He's your only freedom in this. A lot of people have learned the evil of Hollywood and they ran and left there, you know, and became Muslims and all that, and then ended up being killed and dying in your sins. The least you can do if you're trying to escape the devil's kingdom is die a Christian so that you can live eternal life with Christ. But man, these people are, are being used. All right, let's look at verse uh, five. This is 1 Timothy 6, look at verse five. He says, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and they're destitute of truth. Why? Supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourself. So Paul is saying to withdraw yourself from those who preach prosperity doctrine, those who are telling you that gain is godliness. Pastor Price used this point once too. He said, you know, if you're a Buddhist or Hindu and you got more than the Christian, does that suppose that they have the right God? So as you can see, prosperity uh, gospel is a bunch of garbage because gain is not godliness, but let's see what it is. Look at verse six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. But we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. But having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So Paul is telling Timothy, if you're clothed and if you've got food, be content. All right, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with a place to live, but a lot of people won't move on and serve the Lord because of fear of paying their bills or losing their house or doing whatever. You see, you're still caught up with the pimp. There's gonna come a point where God is gonna say, or the pimp is gonna say, if you wanna be with me, you got to receive a mark or you won't be able to buy and sell. You see, and that's where we as Christians have to decide, are we gonna be the bride or are we gonna be a whore? Because the whore will reach eternal you know, hellfire. So anyway, he says, look at verse nine, but they that will be rich fall into a temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted, some that were greedy after, 
they have erred as in error from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So you see, you can ask anybody, athlete, uh, you know, people in Hollywood, or any of these people that think their gain is godliness, why do you think they go and get hooked on drugs and eventually kill themselves? Because gain is not godliness. You see, there's that void missing on the inside of them that only Jesus Christ can fill with his spirit. And when you don't have that, it's amazing how they can do all those things and then go and kill themselves or get hooked on drugs because they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Some director will look at you and say, you know what, you've got a lot of potential. You're gonna be the perfect actor or actress. We can't wait to use you. But then, you know, there's a little niche there though. You know, I know you don't probably do this, but you're gonna have to lay on the couch and you know, I'm gonna have to get mine. But after that, I'll promise you millions. But all those Hollywood actors will tell you if they're honest, it doesn't stop there. Every now and then they're gonna come around for a little taste, get in the bed. We gotta do this, this is how far it's got to go. And you know what those people figure out? Not only do you have to take care of them, you gotta take care of all their friends. And you know what they think? It's just not worth it. Like this wasn't what I thought it would be. And you know what? Those people just can't walk out of Hollywood. They're on a lifetime contract. They sign their names before these rabbinical priests, rabbinical priests, or witch doctors, or witchcraft working rabbis, okay? They sign their names in blood and they have cut a covenant with the devil that can only be canceled in Jesus Christ. So you see, they are blood in, blood out. So if you decide to leave and say, you know what, I'm not gonna be treated like this. I wanna be somebody. The devil will send a hitman, okay? And he'll take care of you. He'll either, you know, uh, strangle you and then put you, you know, put some sleeping pills in your system or alcohol and say that you overdosed. Or what they do next is, you know, they'll say you died in a car accident, even though they, you know, mess with your vehicle and blow it up. So you see, there is no way out of this except through Jesus Christ. But a lot of people have pierced themselves through with many sorrows, going after gain, only realizing that I lose my dignity and my self-worth and I can't get that back. But I'm here to tell anyone that's ever done that, I don't care if you're a celebrity that just happens to tune into this, I want you to know that Jesus Christ can set you free. He can put you on that path. He can give you back your worth or give you more worth than you originally had. And he can fill you with his spirit and allow you to live with him in eternity. You have not gone too far with Christ. All it takes is a repentant heart to give yourself back to him and God will use you. Praise the Lord. So he says in verse 11, Look at now, he's speaking to the bride. He says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou also art called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So as you can see, God wants us to flee these things because these are the things that snare us and keep us from serving the living God. So I just wanna make one other point. Um, in your spare time, read Matthew 23, because I got one more video to play for you guys. But Matthew 23, Jesus makes clear, call no man your father. A lot of people are calling the Catholic Pope, you know, a father. He calls himself the vicar of Christ. 
He is, uh, you know, he's a pimp, okay? He's probably the world's most famous pimp that's got over a billion whores that he uses to fund his kingdom, okay? And Jesus says, call no man your father, for you only got one father which is in heaven. He says, call no man your master, call no man your rabbi, okay? Because you've got one master and one rabbi who are in heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. So you see, he wants to set us free, but we first have got to stop thinking like whores. Religion is full of whores, but Jesus makes people whole. That's what this is about. So let's move on. I want to. I want you guys to hear a video, real quick, of what they're doing in this world, okay? And how this whole thing pans out. I'm going to let you hear the beginning of it and the end. We're not going to hear the whole thing. But this will also be in the description box so you can check it out. But man, this is how, and some people may think I'm not a Christian. This doesn't apply to me. You're going to see right now how you got pent. Check this out. This is called the Deep State of 50 year old recording uh, Describe the World in 2019. So you guys listen to this. recording you're about to hear is from 1967 and it perfectly describes the world we live in today. Recorded by Myron C. Bagan, an American filmmaker who claimed to have seen secret documents that not only prove the existence of the Illuminati, but also link them to major events that occurred worldwide. These seemingly random events are not random at all. They were carried out by a secret group of individuals who have been orchestrating these events since the beginning of time. This satanic plot was launched back in the 1760s when it first came into existence under the name of the Illuminati. This Illuminati was organized by one Adam Weishaupt, born a Jew, who was converted to Catholicism and became a Catholic priest. And then, at the behest of the then newly organized House of Rothschild, defected and organized the Illuminati. Naturally, the Rothschilds financed that operation. And every war since then, beginning with the French Revolution, has been promoted by the Illuminati operating under various names and guises. I say under various names and guises because after the Illuminati was exposed and became too notorious, Weishaupt and his co-conspirators began to operate under various other names. In the United States, immediately after World War I, they set up what they called the Council on Foreign Relations, commonly referred to as the CFR. And this CFR is actually the Illuminati in the United States and its hierarchy, the masterminds in control of the CFR, to a very great extent are the descendants of the original Illuminati conspirators. But to conceal that fact, most of them changed their original family names to American sounding names. For example, the true name of the Dillons, Clarence and Douglas Dillon, once Secretary of the U.S. Treasury Department, is Lepowski. I'll come back to all this later. 
There is a similar establishment of the Illuminati in England, operating under the name of the British Institute of International Affairs. There are similar secret Illuminati organizations in France, Germany, and other nations operating under different names. And all these organizations, including the CFR, continuously set up numerous subsidiary or front organizations that are infiltrated into every phase of the various nations' affairs. But at all times, the operations of these organizations were and are masterminded and controlled by the internationalist bankers who in turn were and are controlled by the Rothschilds. One branch of the Rothschild family had financed Napoleon. Another branch of the Rothschilds, both branches, the real masterminds of the Illuminati, financed Britain, Germany, and the other nations in the Napoleonic Wars. Immediately after the Napoleonic Wars, the Illuminati assumed that all the nations were so destitute and so weary of wars that they'd be glad for any solution. So the Rothschild Stooges set up what they called the Congress in Vienna. And at that meeting, they tried to create the first League of Nations, their first attempted one world government. On the theory that all the crowned heads of the European governments were so deeply in debt to them that they would willingly or unwillingly serve as their stooges. But the Tsar of Russia caught the stench of the plot and completely torpedoed it. The enraged Nathan Rothschild, then the head of that dynasty, vowed that someday he or his descendants would destroy the Tsar and his entire family. And his descendants did accomplish that very threat in 1917. At this point, bear in mind that the Illuminati was not set up to operate on a short-range basis. Normally, a conspirator of any type enters into a conspiracy with the expectation of achieving his objective during his own lifetime. But that was not the case with the Illuminati. True, they hoped to accomplish their objective during their lifetime. But, paraphrasing, the show must go on. The Illuminati operates on the very long-range basis. Whether it will take scores of years or even centuries, they have dedicated their descendants to keep the plot boiling until they hope the conspiracy is achieved. Now let's go back to the birth of the Illuminati. Adam Weishaupt was a Jesuit-trained professor of canon law, teaching in Ingolstadt University when he defected from Christianity to embrace the Luciferian conspiracy. It was in 1770 that the professional moneylenders, the then recently organized House of Rothschild, retained him to revise and modernize the age-old protocols of Zionism, which from the outset was designed to give the synagogue of Satan, so named by Jesus Christ, ultimate world domination, so they could impose the Luciferian ideology upon what would remain of the human race after the final social cataclysm by use of satanic despotism. Weishaupt completed his task May 1st, 1776, 
Now you know why May 1 is the great day with all communist nations to this very day. That was the day, May 1, 1776, that Weishaupt completed his plan and officially organized the Illuminati to put the plan into execution. That plan required the destruction of all existing governments and religions. That objective was to be reached by dividing the masses of people whom he, Weishaupt, termed Goyim, or human cattle, into opposing camps in ever-increasing numbers on political, social, economic, and other issues, the very conditions we have in our country today. The opposing sides were then to be armed and incidents provided which would cause them to fight and weaken themselves and gradually destroy national governments and religious institutions. Again, I say, the very conditions in the world today. Now, just why did the conspirators choose the word Illuminati for their satanic organization? Weishaupt himself said that the word is derived from Lucifer and means holders of the light using the lie that his objective was to bring about a one-world government to enable those with mental ability to govern the world and prevent all wars in the future. In short, using the word peace on earth as his bait, exactly as that same bait, peace, was used by the 1945 conspirators to force the United Nations on us, Weishaupt, financed, I repeat, by the Rothschilds, recruited some 2,000 paid followers. These included the most intelligent men in the fields of arts and letters, education, the sciences, finance, and industry. He then established lodges of the Grand Orient, Masonic lodges, to be their secret headquarters. And I again repeat, that in all of this, he was acting under orders from the House of Rothschild. The main features of the Weishaupt plan of operation required his Illuminati to do the following things to help them to accomplish their purpose. Number one, use monetary and sex bribery to obtain control of men already in high places in the various levels of all governments and other fields of endeavor. Once influential persons had fallen for the lies, deceits, and temptations of the Illuminati, they were to be held in bondage by application of political and other forms of blackmail, threats of financial ruin, public exposure and physical harm, even death, to themselves and loved members of their families. Do you realize how many present top officials in our federal government in Washington are controlled in just that way by the CFR? Number two, Illuminati and the faculties of colleges and universities were to cultivate students possessing exceptional mental ability belonging to well-bred families with international leanings and recommend them for special training in internationalism. Such training was to be provided 
by granting scholarships to those selected by the Illuminists. That gives you an idea what a Rhodes Scholarship means. It means indoctrination into accepting the idea that only a one-world government can put an end to recurring wars and strife. That's how the United Nations was sold to the American people. All such scholars were to be first persuaded and then convinced that men of special talent and brains have the right to rule those less gifted on the ground that the masses don't know what is best for them physically, mentally, and spiritually. Number three, all influential people trapped into coming under the control of the Illuminati, plus the students who had been specially educated and trained, were to be used as agents and placed behind the scenes of all governments as experts and specialists so they would advise the top executives to adopt policies which would, in the long run, serve the secret plans of the Illuminati One World Conspiracy and bring about the destruction of the governments and religions they were elected or appointed to serve. Number four, perhaps the most vital directive in Weishaupt's plan was to obtain absolute control of the press at that time, the only mass communications media to distribute information to the public so that all news and information could be slanted so that the masses could be convinced that a one world government is the only solution to our many and varied problems. Now, do you know who owns and controls our mass communications media? I'll tell you practically all the movie lots in Hollywood is owned by the Laymans, Kuhn Loeb and Company, Goldman Sachs, and other internationalist bankers. All the national radio and TV channels in the nation are owned and controlled by those same internationalist bankers. The same is true of every chain of metropolitan newspapers and magazines, also of the press wire services such as Associated Press, United Press International, etc. The supposed heads of all those media are merely the fronts for the internationalist bankers who in turn compose the hierarchy of the CFR, today's Illuminati in America. Now can you understand why the Pentagon's press agent Sylvester so brazenly proclaimed that the government has the right to lie to the people? What he really meant was that our CFR-controlled government had the power to lie to and be believed by the brainwashed American people. And let's again go back to the first days of the Illuminati. Because Britain and France were the two greatest world powers in the late years of the 18th century, Weishaupt ordered the Illuminati to foment the colonial wars, including our Revolutionary War, to weaken the British Empire and organize the French Revolution to destroy the French Empire. He scheduled the French Revolution to start in 1789. However, in 1784, a true act of God placed the Bavarian government in possession of evidence which proved the existence of the Illuminati, and that evidence could have saved France 
if they, the French government, hadn't refused to believe it. Here is how that act of God happened. It was in 1874 that Weishaupt issued his orders for the French Revolution. A German writer named Zwack put it into book form. It contained the entire Illuminati story and Weishaupt's plans. A copy of this book was sent to the Illuminists in France, headed by Robespierre, whom Weishaupt had delegated to foment the French Revolution. The courier was struck and killed by lightning as he rode through Ralaston on his way from Frankfurt to Paris. The police found the subversive documents on his body and turned them over to the proper authorities. After careful study of the plot, the Bavarian government ordered the police to raid Weishaupt's newly organized lodges of the Grand Orient and the homes of his most influential associates. All additional evidence thus discovered convinced the authorities the documents were genuine copies of the conspiracy by which the Illuminati planned to use wars and revolutions to bring about the establishment of a one-world government, the powers of which they, headed by the Rothschilds, intended to usurp as soon as it was established exactly in line with the United Nations plot of today. In 70... Okay, so, you know, I just wanted to bring that point forward, that by the time they found out that they, the Illuminati had had an agenda to take over, the people were already pimped out. You know, they didn't even believe the story. But the first thing they mentioned is the human cattle, using people to market or work for them. The second, uh, leaders compromised with sex. You see how they do this? They compromise with sex. Why do you think the Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky, you know, things showed up? Well, that goes on on even smaller levels. These men get compromised. They don't want to get, they get blackmailed. And then they've got to go along with the agenda. This is how the devil yokes you. Uh, three, it says they promote the educated ones over the less fortunate. This is how people can have that global mind, that Illuminati mind where they think I'm the have and this person is the have not. I'm educated and they're the ignorant. But you wanna know something funny about Jesus? Jesus went after the ignorant and unlearned. He didn't go, I mean, Paul was the only one educated that the Lord really went after. I mean, Nicodemus eventually became a believer too, but the point is, is that God, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble because he understands that a lot of those people that think they're proud, they're, that's a horse forehead. They, they don't even realize that they're a part of the agenda. You know, Lord, use me because I'm good looking, because I'm this, because I'm that. God bypasses that. He can't stand pride because that reminds him of the devil. God wants, he used the ignorant and unlearned. So Peter and them may not have had much education, but they were raising the dead, okay? Look at uh, four. It says agents placed over scenes uh, for agendas, you know? So they would put these agents in certain areas for the agendas that they wanted to have. That why do you think the homosexual agenda is so big? It came out of nowhere. At one point, you would have been in an asylum or people would have thought you were crazy to think this way. But they get the right people in office that move up through the ranks that will pass on on these laws to do what they say. Five. Uh, they control the press 
you know, for a one government. So if you think you're getting the truth by watching Fox News, you better think again. Look at this is six. Uh, all right, that was five. This is six. The government has a right to lie to the people. This is what they believe. And then it says, um, and also they started every war in the world. Now, I'm going to conclude this video by skipping all the way down to the part I want you guys to hear. Okay, you guys listen to this. To the Communist Party and to adopt the Karl Marx Manifesto as the constitution of the Communist Party, Lenin, Trotsky, and Stalin obeyed. And that year of 1918 was when the Communist Party and the menace of communism came into being. All this is confirmed in Webster's Collegiate Dictionary, fifth edition. In short, communism was created by the capitalists. Thus, until November 11, 1918, the entire fiendish plan of the conspirators worked perfectly. All the great nations, including the United States, were war-weary, devastated, mourning their dead. Peace was the great universal desire. Thus, when it was proposed by Wilson to set up a League of Nations to ensure peace, all the great nations, with no Russian czar to stand in their way, jumped on that bandwagon without even stopping to read the fine print in that insurance policy. That is all but one, the United States, the very one that Schiff and his co-conspirators least expected would balk. And that was their one fatal mistake in that early plot. You see, when Schiff planted Woodrow Wilson in the White House, the conspirators assumed that they had the United States in the proverbial bag. Wilson had been perfectly built up as a great humanitarian. He supposedly became established as a godman with the American people. There was every reason for the conspirators to have believed that he would easily hornswoggle Congress into buying the League of Nations sight unseen, exactly as the Congress of 1945 brought the United Nations sight unseen. But there was one man in the Senate in 1918 who saw through that scheme just as the Russian Tsar did in 1814. He was a man of great political stature, almost as great as that of Teddy Roosevelt, and fully as astute. He was highly respected and trusted by all members of both houses of Congress and by the American people. The name of that great and patriotic American was Henry Cabot Lodge, not the phony of today who called himself Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. until he was exposed. Lodge completely unmasked Wilson and kept the United States out of the League of Nations. Here it becomes of great interest to know the real reason for the Wilson League of Nations flop. As I previously stated, Schiff was sent to the United States to carry out four specific assignments. Number one and most important was to acquire complete control of the U.S. money system. Number two, as outlined in the original Weishaupt Illuminati blueprint, he was to find the right kind of men to serve as stooges for the great conspiracy and promote them into the highest offices in our federal government, our Congress, our U.S. Supreme Court, and all federal agencies, such as the State Department, the Pentagon, the Treasury Department, etc. 
Number three, destroy the unity of the American people by creating minority group strife throughout the nation, especially between the whites and blacks as outlined in Israel Cohen's book. Number four, create a movement to destroy religion in the United States with Christianity to be the chief target or victim. In addition, he was strongly reminded of the imperative directive in the Illuminati blueprint to achieve full control of all mass communications media, to be used to brainwash the people into believing and accepting all of the maneuverings of the great conspiracy. Schiff was warned that only control of the press, at that time our only mass communications media, would enable him to destroy the unity of the American people. Now then Schiff and his co-conspirators did set up the NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of the Colored People in 1909. And in 1913, he set up the Anti-Defamation League of the B'nai B'rith. Both were to create the necessary strife. But in the early years, the ADL operated very timidly, perhaps for fear of a pogrom-like action by an aroused and enraged American people. In addition, he, Schiff, was busy developing and infiltrating the Stooges to serve in all high places in our Washington government and in the job of acquiring control of our money system and the creation of the 16th Amendment. He also was very busy with the organizing of the plot for the takeover of Russia. In short, he was kept so busy with all those jobs that he completely overlooked the supreme job of acquiring complete control of our mass communications media. That oversight was the direct cause for Wilson's failure to lure the United States into the League of Nations. Because when Wilson decided to go to the people to overcome the opposition of the large-controlled Senate, despite his established but phony reputation as a great humanitarian, he found himself faced by a solidly united people and by a loyal press whose only ideology was Americanism and the American way of life, at that time due to the ineptness and ineffectiveness of both the ADL and the NAACP, there were no organized minority groups, no Negro problems, no so-called anti-Semitic problem to sway the people's thinking. There were no lefts, there were no rights, no prejudices for crafty exploitations. Thus, Wilson's League of Nation appeals fell on deaf ears. The control of the press was assigned to Rockefeller. Thus, Henry Luce, who recently died, was financed to set up a number of national magazines, among them Life, Time, Fortune, and others, which publish USSR in America. The Rockefellers also directly or indirectly financed the Cowles Brothers Look magazine and a chain of newspapers. They also financed a man named Sam Newhouse to buy up and build a chain of newspapers all over the country. And the late Eugene Meyer, one of the founders of CFR, bought the Washington Post, Newsweek, the Weekly Magazine, and other publications. At the same time, CFR began to develop and nurture a new breed of scurrilous columnists and editorial writers, such as Walter Lippmann, Drew Pearson, the Alsops, Herbert Matthews, Erwin Canham, and others of that ilk, who called themselves liberals, who proclaimed that Americanism is isolationism, 
that isolationism is warmongerism, that anti-communism is anti-Semitism and racism. All that took time, of course. But today, our entire press, except for some local small-town papers and weeklies published by patriotic organizations, is completely controlled by CFR stooges. And thus, they finally succeeded in breaking us up into a nation of quarreling, wrangling, squabbling, hating factions. Now, if you still wonder about the slanted news and outright lies you read in your paper, you have the answer. To the Lehmans, Goldman Sachs, Kuhn Loeb, and the Warburgs, the CFR assigned the job of getting control of the motion picture industry, Hollywood, radio and television. And believe you me, they succeeded. If you still wonder about the strange propaganda broadcasts by the Ed Morrows, Chet Huntley, Howard K. Smith, Eric Severide, Drew Pearson, and others of that ilk, you have the answer. If you wonder about all the smut, sex, pornography, and mixed marriage films you see in your movie theater and on your TV set, all of which is demoralizing our youth, you have the answer. It tells in detail how the press, the movies, TV, and radio have been, and still are, used to brainwash the people, to demoralize our youth, and they have been and still are encouraging and creating sympathy for the rioting civil rights lawlessness. To the vast majority of the American people, our foreign policy for many years has been a complete enigma. Most of us simply can't understand why this great nation is seemingly floundering so helplessly in the art of diplomacy. We can't understand why our leaders are seemingly so confused and bewildered in all their dealings. Now I have one more vital message to deliver. As I told you, one of the four specific assignments Rothschild gave Jacob Schiff was to create a movement to destroy religion in the United States with Christianity to be the chief target. For a very obvious reason, the Anti-Defamation League wouldn't dare to attempt it because such an attempt could create the most terrible bloodbath in the history of the world, not only for the ADL and the conspirators, but for the millions of innocent Jews. Schiff turned that job over to Rockefeller for another specific reason. The destruction of Christianity could be accomplished only by those who are entrusted to preserve it, by the pastors, the men of the cloth. As a starter, John D. Rockefeller picked up a young so-called Christian minister by the name of Dr. Harry F. Ward, Reverend Ward, if you please. At that time, he was teaching religion at the Union Theological Seminary. Rockefeller found a very willing Judas in this reverend. Thereupon, in 1907, he financed him to set up the Methodist Foundation of Social Service. And Ward's job was to teach bright young men to become so-called ministers of Christ and to place them as pastors of churches. While teaching them to become ministers, the Reverend Ward also taught them how to very subtly and craftily preach to their congregations that the entire story of Christ is a myth, to cast doubts on the divinity of Christ, to cast doubts about the Virgin Mary, 
In short, to cast doubts on Christianity as a whole, it was not to be a direct attack, but much of it by crafty insinuation that was to be applied in particular to the youth in the Sunday schools. Remember Lenin's statement, give me just one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. Then, in 1908, the Methodist Foundation of Social Service, which incidentally was America's first communist front organization, changed its name to the Federal Council of Churches. By 1950, the Federal Council of Churches was becoming very suspect. So in 1950, they changed the name to the National Council of Churches. Do I have to tell you more about how this National Council of Churches is deliberately destroying faith in Christianity? I don't think so. But this I will tell you. If you are a member of any congregation whose pastor and church are members of this Judas organization, you, your contributions, are helping the Illuminati's plot to destroy religion and your faith in God and Jesus Christ. Thus, you are deliberately delivering your children to be indoctrinated with disbelief in God and church and which can easily transform them into atheists. Find out immediately if your church is a member of the National Council of Churches and for the love of God and your children. If it is, withdraw from it at once. However, let me warn you, that same destroy religion process has been infiltrated into other denominations. But of course, there are many individual churches and pastors who are honest and sincere. Find one such for yourself and for your children. All right, so, you know, I'm sorry to keep you guys that long, but you got an understanding of what this guy is saying, that they couldn't take over the churches like that. So they, they found a very prominent minister and they got that minister in line with Rockefeller. And, you know, he was teaching these men right out of seminary how to corrupt the Bible, how to place doubt in people's minds. Of course, there was a little cash that came with it, too, I'm sure. But, you know, even playing the game Monopoly even shows us how we're getting pimped. You know, who decides who goes to jail, treasure chest and all that stuff? Then it says, um, let's see. It says uh, built Wilson up like, you know, look at how Wilson had a phony reputation, but they built Wilson up as some great man. Notice they did the same thing to Barack Obama. They built him up as some kind of messiah and black people took the bait. Even a lot of white people did. But you see, they're even telling you here, if you're defending where you're from or your race, Man, you've got some problems. You're being pimped. And that's why you'll find some of these black leaders that are a part of this octopus, this, this system, this whore, that are sitting there acting like they're fighting for civil rights. And then you got some on the other side as KKK members and seem like they're white supremacists, but they're all working for the same body. And they get people to fight one another. And we ignorantly, you know, black people's rights, black lives matter. All lives matter in Christ. You know, when people try and think civil rights, we need civil rights. So just so I can eat at a table with a white man is, is really doing anything about my salvation. 
and changing the world. You guys got to understand where I'm coming from. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. These people set up agendas, they create problems, and they come with solutions. You know why? Because they got a bunch of whores. You know, look at the false American dream that they pushed on us, wanting us to pay attention to that, wanting us to desire it, only to do what? Lead you away from Christ. And that's what this whole thing is about. I'm going to go to uh, Revelation 17, guys, and we're going to conclude from there. So you guys will see exactly what this beast system looks like. And I got a picture today, and we had it before, but if you guys have ever seen the Illuminati pyramid, it's really interesting to look at because it starts out, it's this thing. I don't know if you guys can really tell, but that's what it looks like. So if you get a chance, look up the Illuminati pyramid, and it shows on the bottom, the very bottom, there's the population workers or what you would call debt slaves. Okay, you go up one level to the left of this thing, it's got all the religions in one box. Okay, now we know that Jesus Christ is separate from these, but a lot of people are, you know, they're into Christianity and, you know, everything else. This is about knowing Jesus. This is not about a religion. And in the middle on that second level, it's got governments, uh, the intelligence community, it's got the military, the police, the courts, and the prisons. So you guys look at that. It's got these together, okay? All in one, all on that second level. On the right hand of this second level, it's got the media. Now that's the other thing they bought the media over: Disney, Viacom, and schools. So there's your education. Then you go up to the third level on the left of this thing. It's called the corporations. You know, the other one, the second level is world population control. And the third is world resource control. So you've got Exxon Mobil, you got IBM, you got DuPont, you know, BP Oil, you got the New York Stock Exchange, Pfizer, you know, um, Toyota and all that other stuff, Monsanto, the people that give us all this nasty and corrupt food to kill you. That's what's on the third level. You go to the fourth level, you've got the world financial control. So notice the banks, the global banks, sit well above the government, military, police, prisons, all that stuff. They're way up there. So they're in the middle, you may as well say, on the uh, fourth level. And they're the uh, central banks, um, the IRS, and they got the interest revenue. They got the um, international banks there too. You go up on the fifth level, guys, above that, you've got the think tanks, those who control how you think who set these agendas. Those are the monopoly players that do their thing. And it's the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the United Nations. And then there is, um, well, it's, it's called the Round Table. And it's got the Bilderberger Group, the Club of Rome, and uh, let's see, the Royal uh, Institute of International Affairs. Sitting above that, guys, on level six is the Committee of 300. Who were they? the world's richest, most powerful sub-families. So as you can see, there's a whole lot of whores before you start getting up to the top. And then you get above that on uh, level seven or eight. I mean, it's level seven. It's the Crown Council of 13. 
Those are the 13 most powerful families. You know, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the DuPonts, the Astors, the Kennedys. That's right, the Kennedys. You know, Bundy. And the people even believe Ted Bundy was related to them. And, you know, all the, the richest families. Above that, on level A, are the world monarchs. So that's your Queen of England, you know, and those who, um, you know, run things, the Merovingian family. Okay, and then sitting at the very top where you see the eye here, you know, I can't even pull it up, but when you see the eye like on the top of the dollar bill, that is, um, you know, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where the devil and his fallen angels hang out. So as you can see, the devil pimps the whole world. This whole world belongs to him. If you think that you're thinking opposite, of the devil. If you have not the mind of Jesus Christ, you better think again. You're an atheist because they told you to be. You're a homosexual because they told you to be. You're a murderer because they told you to be. You're an abortionist. You're a feminist. You're a misogynist because they told you to be. You're a black supremacist. You're a black Hebrew Israelite because they told you to be. You see, you're in a false Christian church because they made that possible. People, y'all better wake up and understand, aside from Jesus Christ, there is no liberty, there is no freedom. You're just a whore needing salvation. So come to the good father, the good man, the one who wants to set us free. Let's go to Revelation 17, guys, and I'm closing from there. I'm sorry I presented a lot of information and kept you guys longer than you know I intended to, but you know, it's it's time that we lay out the truth to people so that they can actually see what they're dealing with. So you see, while we're sitting here coming up with all this recent information, you got people who are not Christians even bringing forth this information and thinking they know something when the Bible was telling us about this 2,000, 4,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago in Daniel's time. That's the great red dragon. You guys ever heard of him? Seven heads, 10 horns. We're going to read of it right now. Revelation 17, look at verse one. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me, come hither and I will shew thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now notice this thing is called a whore. I wasn't kidding when I named this pimps and hoes. The Lord knows exactly what he's talking about. This is a whore. This is a world system. And it says it sits upon many waters. This is the new world order, the end time. If you guys get the chance, look up the 10 region world map. We did a teaching about four months ago or five months ago called Seven Heads and Ten Horns. You'll see the 10 region world map on it, on Sound the Trumpet Ministries. And you'll see how there are 10 areas or seven, yeah, 10 areas that, that are on, I guess you would say, six continents, six or seven continents that have, um, you know, their uh, regions, you know, and there's going to be a ruler over every region. So the devil, this whore, sits on many waters, okay, not just in America. Look at verse two, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So as you can see, this whore, all the kings of the earth, all the world leaders 
have committed fornication with her spiritually. They've been involved with her. They've been intimate with her. They all had something that, I mean, she had something that all of them wanted. And this is what they flocked to. So it says they've been made drunk. How, how, what's the wine of the fornication of the harlot? False religion, you know, uh, media, TV, even uh, when you look at music, education, you see all this indoctrination gets into the mind and messes the people up. All that military, be the best you can be, you know, be strong, we're in the army. You know, Marines don't die without permission. All that stuff is all meant you to get you in line with the whore. And if people don't like that, I don't care. But a lot of people go and die and fight for their country and they don't even know why. That's the whore that makes everybody drunk, makes you a proud American or proud Russian or proud whatever, you know, that gets in line with this and these people are committing fornication with it. So they're drunk. Look at verse three. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. So he sees the image of a woman sitting in scarlet, okay? She's sitting on scarlet and, um, you know, she's, she's riding a beast. So, the, you know, this whore can also be a religious system that sits on top of the government. It's the false church. But this is also a world power, all right? Now, a lot of people try and equate this to the Catholic church because they wear red and purple. There's some truth in that. But I would say that the Catholic church is like one of the pearls on this harlot. I do believe that the Catholic church wears purple and scarlet because of the fact that they, they want to, um, you know, get pay homage to this harlot. So purple means royalty and scarlet means sin. Okay. So there's a lot, this, this thing, this system is full of sin and it has seven heads and 10 horns it's riding on. Look at verse four. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So all this system can do is have you drink from that cup, the filthiness of this world to turn you into a whore, never knowing Jesus Christ and going along with their agenda. Look at verse five and upon her forehead. Remember we talked about the, the horse forehead in Jeremiah three. Well, upon this horse forehead was the name written mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. So you see every religion today that's false has its hooks in Babylon. What does Babylon mean? Uh, mixing by confusion or confusion by mixing. So as you can see, there's no wonder you got all this false stuff going on in the church. You got these corrupt political agendas. You got homosexuality everywhere. You got women killing their kids. You got blacks and whites fighting for supremacy in other races. This is Babylon the Great. This is the whore's forehead that a lot of people are dealing with. And then, you know, this is how they become, I mean, this is the chief of abominations of the earth. And, you know, he says, I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So this world system since the beginning, since the world's first pimp, who was Satan in Genesis 3, 
offered Adam and Eve that fruit, he found two harlots by getting them to obey him and not God. From that beginning, this whore has been killing everyone that want to come to Christ or that, that belong to God. This is what we're fighting against, guys, but I wanna skip down because I don't have time to break all this down. We're already past time. But I wanna get to uh, verse 12. Let's skip down to ver or verse uh, 11. Verse 11, and it says, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. So we, what are we talking about? The Antichrist and his system. And the 10 horns which thou sawest are 10 kings, which have received no kingdom as of yet, but received power uh, as kings one hour with the beast or one hour with the Antichrist. And he says, these have one mind and have given their, their power and strength unto the beast. So notice this world system is only meant to do one thing, to get you to think like it, to become a whore and to get you to fight against your only savior, which is Jesus Christ. A pimp does not, I mean, a prostitute will defend her pimp. Pastor Price said he saw one day two prostitutes, well, one beating the heck out of another because she said something about her pimp. You see, this is how screwed up we can be in the mind, and this is how we'll fight against our only savior, which is Christ, when we've been pimped out. So look at verse 14. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. That's Jesus for he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, amen. And they that are with him, and they, they that are with Christ are called and chosen and faithful. So we must understand when he tells you in Revelation 18 to come out of her, my people, when he tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in this world, if any man loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. And when he tells you, in James 4 and 4, that adulterers and adulteresses know you not that friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God, then he's trying to tell us something that we need to be set free from this. We've got to give all things over to Jesus and whatever your life looks like from there, trust the Lord. He'll give you your husband. He'll give you your wife. He'll tell you where he wants you to work. But I noticed with the Lord that when he puts you in a place, he means for you to do his will preach the gospel in season and out of season, as Paul tells Timothy, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and shall be turned unto fables. You see, so Paul says, endure in all things. I mean, he says, watch thou in all things and endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist, the Bible says. Make full proof of your ministry. You see, and he tells you, for um, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up a, for me a crown of righteousness, whom the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give not to me only, but unto all them that love or long for the appearance of Christ. We need new minds, guys. We need new hearts. We need to walk in the fullness of God so that we not get taken advantage of by these pimps and these prostitutes. God wants to make us whole. He wants us to be brides and he wants us to pursue him with everything we got. 
Because one thing a bride does do is reverence her husband. And if Jesus Christ be our husband, then we've, he's got to be our treasure and nothing else. Of course, this takes time. Of course, we got to grow. Of course, the spirit of God has to sanctify us from all unrighteousness, but we still have to get on that path and know what God has set up for us so that we can do what he says and be faithful brides without spot, blemish, or wrinkle to be called, chosen, and faithful. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the brothers and sisters that were listening in, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that this message glorified you, that this was about letting people know that you are our only salvation and whom the Son of God has set free is free indeed. For you said, we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. So I just pray, Lord, that people receive you while there is still time that they not be given over to this harlot, that this harlot will not use and abuse your people any longer, that he will not take advantage of us any longer, but that we will be the children of the highest that will do the things that are pleasing unto you, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I just pray for a heavy anointing over the listeners, you said for them to have ears to hear, let them hear. And we know, Lord, that we're speaking to your remnant. So I pray whoever they are, let them seek you, let them seek the truth, and let them put the youthful lust and foolishness aside that they may be faithful brides unto you. Let all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So if you know you're not saved, guys, nobody knows this more than you. You can give your life to Jesus today. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways, give your life to him, believe that he's coming back for a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Believe that he is the son of God and that he came to set the captives free, okay? Get baptized, get in God's spirit, be partaker of his word, and you can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care what you've done, it is not too late to turn to Christ. If you can hear this message, whether you're a pedophile, homosexual, fornicator, whether you've been playing church with God and being a hypocrite, give your life to him while there is time and he will save your soul from a burning hell. So I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. Uh, Brother Victor, uh, Sister Beautiful Beloved, Sister Tara, uh, Brother Michael Adams and others that were on tonight. I thank you for them, Lord, and I pray that you preserve them and you watch over them. I love you all, guys. And uh, tomorrow night, we got a teaching called The Law and the Gospel. So it should be interesting how we break that down so people may have an understanding of what the purpose of the law was and how it became refined in the gospel, okay? Because I'm not a follower of the old Torah. I'm someone that's telling you that that was only a schoolmaster to lead us up to Christ, but Jesus Christ is our salvation under the new covenant shed in his blood. So uh, yeah, tomorrow night, that's gonna be a 7 p.m. Pacific time, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time. So subscribe to the channel if you like the messages. If not, you got that free will. I just wanna say, I love you all. Don't forsake your prayer closets, guys. Spend time with the Lord and you will become like him. Until next time, have a good night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.